You're listening to audio from the Regenerate Podcast, a ministry of River City Church in Lewiston, Idaho. For more information about Regenerate, visit rivercitychurch.us. Okay, anyway, um, my name is Sam. For those of you who, I think everybody here knows me, but I'm Sam Maines. I'm the college ministry director at River City Church, changing the world from Jesus one person at a time. How many of you guys are just, are just like, I made it? I made, barely made it, but I made it through this semester. Praise God. Praise the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because I needed him, all three of him, to make this happen. So um, I'm going to be talking tonight out of the last few verses of the book of Titus. And so uh, we're going to learn about the necessity. Somebody say necessity of friendship. Somebody say friendship. Yes necessity of friendship and of course as always if somebody's preaching at regenerate and it just speaks to your soul you got to say something like amen or that's good or or detective (laughs) okay (laughs) i guess i don't get it okay so anyway um for those of you who have been with us this entire semester we've been studying the three chapters that comprise titus it is a small book but there's a lot of truth packed into it And we've been calling this series, You Can Do This. Somebody say, you can do this. Because I firmly believe that God has called you in this time and in this generation. He is preparing many of you for a call to ministry. And when I I say ministry, I don't want you to hear in your head, I'm going to be a full-time pastor of a church. I want you to hear in your head, I'm going to serve the body of Christ in such a way that God is glorified. My gifts are maximized and other people's lives begin to flourish around me, right? And so that means that, does that mean that some of you are going to teach the word? Yes. In fact, we learned in Titus 1 that those who are going to be elders need to be able to teach. They need to be, and so those who are going to be leaders of the church need to be able to do that, okay? And so I want you guys to leave, feel, leave this semester feeling a little bit more prepared, a little bit more encouraged, a little bit more faith-filled in seeing that you have a destiny in God. You have a destiny in the body of Christ that goes beyond this place, that goes beyond the walls of your church into the future. It is a destiny that is going to bless your future family. It is a destiny that God has prepared in advance good works that he has prepared in advance for you to do. And if you believe that God has laid out those good works and you want to walk in them so that you can bring that kind of impact to the world, you got to say amen. Amen. God wants to work in and through your life. And some of you guys have been too timid for too long. And it is time to stand up and say, I want to walk in what God has for me. Amen. And so Titus is this young leader. We know this mainly from the context of this of this, path, of this book, actually, because when he gives instructions and about halfway through the book about older men and younger and older women and younger women, you'll notice that he gives very little instruction about young men. He says, I want you to train young men to be self-controlled. And then he immediately tells Titus about how he should conduct himself because he knows that if Titus conducts himself in a manner that is worthy of his calling, then those who are following him are going to do the same, especially the young men who are modeling their lives after him, right? And so this is the, the beauty of this, though, is this, like, he, it's such an encouraging letter. And I, I love that it's kind of short. I actually kind of love that. Has anybody worked, have you ever worked a blue-collar job before? Anybody? Like, you, you, you washed dishes, you, you built stuff, you built houses, you did something, right? Uh, you, did, you did some kind of blue-collar work, you know? Um, if, you ever, if you've ever worked, like, on a construction site or wherever, there's so many things you have to learn just by doing, right? I work landscaping, I've done construction, I've done that kind of thing. And, and, and whenever you do that, it, you just kind of have to learn by doing. And then, 
uh, you just kind of go, your foreman will be like, yeah, do this, do this, do this. Good luck, I got other stuff to do. And then you're just kind of like, oh, okay. You know, I don't know how to build a house and I'm still not good at it, but, um, and that's true of me. I have tried to build houses before and I'm not, I'm definitely not good at it. But if you're interested, talk to Charles over here. Um, <laughs> shameless plug. Um, one of the things that, that's important, that's interesting though, is I love that Paul gives him this short letter and goes, hey, Titus, uh, I sent you to Crete and here's what I want you to do. And he kind of goes through this list and it seems almost a little bit haphazard when you go through it. But the Holy, we trust that the Holy Spirit was guiding Paul as he's writing, right? So he's not just writing haphazardly, but he's going, okay, Titus, first of all, here, he's like, man, God never lies. Did you know that, Titus? Like God never lies and he has promised us salvation. We can trust in that. And it's like, yes, amen. Okay, anyway, uh, here's what I want you to do. Uh, number one, I want you to set up elders in every town in Crete, okay? And they need to be, you know, above reproach. They need to be the husband of one wife. They need to not be given over to greed or drunkenness or anything like that. Sound good? Okay. Also, there's a bunch of people who are teaching Jewish myths. I want you to shut them up. Okay, make sure that none of that it happens because they're literally breaking apart families that they're teaching. It's horrible. They're teaching people to go backwards from the gospel. And instead of receiving God's grace, they're trying to earn it through works of like circumcision and following feasts and all this weird stuff. Tell them to knock it off. Show those people down. Uh, what else? Oh, yeah. Teach the older men to be respectable. Teach older women to be dignified and to teach the younger women to live dignified lives as well. And you need to lead a life that is dignified so that young men can follow in your footsteps. Uh, what else? Oh, oh yeah. And then, but this, this is the reason why the reason, because the whole thing that he's addressing with false teachers and everything, you have to realize that these are people who are moving backwards from the gospel. So at this point in history on the island nation of Crete, where he is, there's already a large, a sizable or significant Jewish influence. And so these people who are teaching Jewish myths that we learned about in chapter one, they're teaching people to to move backwards from the gospel. Instead of moving deeper into God's grace, which causes you to fall more in love with God and actually be more willing to forgive and more willing to change and be transformed, he's asking, these people are going, no, you need to go back. You need to celebrate certain feasts. You need to do certain things in order for God to like you. Can I tell you something? There is nothing you can do to make God love you more. There is nothing you can do to make God love you more or less. His love for you is constant, and it is unchanging, and it is unconditional. That's why he says, and he reminds Titus right after that, here's the reason that I want you to confront these people and to be exercise leadership and to be strong. The reason I want you to understand that is because God saved you. He saved us, not by works of, done by us in righteousness, but by the, by the washing of regeneration and renewal by his Holy Spirit, whom he poured out, out upon us abundantly and through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Somebody wave a hanky and say, amen. It was the Holy Spirit. It wasn't me. It was God working through his spirit and through the work of his son that transformed my life. And so because of that, we got to shut down all this stuff that says you got to do extra. So then afterwards... After all this, he goes, okay, and by the way, if there's divisive people, talk to them once and then talk to them twice. And if they don't listen to that, just, not, just cut them out, okay? Just forget about them, okay? Leave, leave it alone. And finally, he comes to the end of the letter. And it's funny to me because I would have expected a handbook for a pastor to be way thicker. You know what I mean? Like, this should be like a five-volume, here's how to do everything. Hey, Titus, here's how to run a nonprofit organization. Hey, Titus, here's the latest... John Maxwell book on leadership you need to read. Hey, hey Titus, here's the, here's the best business practices. You know, here's the top 10 things that successful people do. Hey, Titus, here. But he doesn't give him all that. He kind of gives him this random list of stuff and is like, okay, yeah, this, this, and this. Oh, and now at the very end, we get the heart, Paul's heart for Titus regarding friendship. 
And I love this because the last part of this letter is a greeting. Is a, it's a traditional ending to a letter in Koine Greek where, you would, uh, where he mentions the people he's involved with. And it, he mentions these deep friendships that have deeply impacted his life. Did you know something? You can't do the Christian life without friends. You can't. You can't do it. And we're going to learn about that tonight as we go through this. So um, let's stand together and read the Word of God. Can we do that? Okay, let's stand. Let's read the Word of God. Look at the, word, look at the words. Hear them. Speak them. Just fully engage with this and let the Holy Spirit speak to your soul. He says in verse 12 of Titus 3, 3, 2, 1. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. This is God's word. This is the book of Titus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this book. We thank you for the instruction you've given us, Holy Spirit. We thank you for the inspiration that you poured into us. We thank you, God, that you are the exhorting God, that you are the encouraging God, that you are the God who is coaching and leading and guiding and comforting and shepherding us along through this life as we follow you. Tonight, God, I pray that you would reveal your desired will for us and that we would feel your presence in this room. We ask you to come and fill us tonight. Lord Jesus, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer, in whom we trust. Jesus, we love you. And everybody who trusts in him said, Amen. Have a seat, have a seat. There's a few things in this passage that, it's kind of funny, have you ever read the New Testament? Anybody ever read just, just like the New Testament or letters like this? Maybe you've read Titus before. Um, when you come to these like parts at the end, you're like, and send with you and uh, make sure to come to I don't know how to pronounce that and then because you don't know how to pronounce the words you just like skip it over and you're like whatever it's just the closing of the letter I'll just go to the next one right I'll just go to the next one because this is the ending but actually we have to remember that behind these names are real people who really existed and really were a part of the kingdom right and so these are people who are your forefathers and mothers in the faith they are people who have gone before you, who experienced life in Christ before you ever did. And they were some of the first ones to experience it. What a wild time that must have been. What a crazy time to be on the island of Crete and see God's love exploding and communities of people popping up all over the place going, I want to follow Jesus. What do I need to do? And so Titus is tasked. He is, he is given this responsibility of you need to go out and you need to get, you need to straighten out the church, make sure that there's order so that everybody is on the same page. So we're all moving together towards Christ. There is a necessity to friendship. I remember my best friend when I was growing up, when I, like when I was really growing up, I remember across uh, the road. So we lived on in a rental on Miraloma street in Las Vegas, Nevada. And across the street was my best friend, Timmy. Timmy lived across the street and we didn't have a lot of common. But we both liked Legos, and we both hated girls. And we, you know, so that was about, you know, that's, that's all you need to bond, right? Like, like when you're in kindergarten. So, like, we had a great time. Well, we would hang out all the time and stuff. And, um, and he, we went to kindergarten together, and, like, we would, like, stay away from girls because they were disgusting and stuff at that point. Um, except for Brittany. She would always chase us down. 
And I was like, I didn't like her at all. Anyway, um, there's, I still don't know. I didn't, uh, <laughs> if there's, if that girl, Brittany, I don't even remember your last name, Brittany, but if you ever listen to this, I'm sorry. I, I try not to hold it against you for being a girl. Um, anyway, so I had a friend growing up, I had Timmy growing up, but then we moved, right? And so that friend, and so then you have to get new friends, right? And then, uh, so you have to build new friendships and all that kind of stuff. And, and every time that there's a transition in your life, right, uh, it seems like one of the things that has to change are the friendships involved, right? There's always some kind of, when there's a transition, when you, when you move somewhere, when you change jobs, when you go to college, it's like there's this necessary transition that happens. And sometimes it's, it's awkward, sometimes it's painful. But the bottom line that I want you guys to understand is this, there's a necessity to friendship. Because starting in verse 12, we learn this, <laughs> you need to be with other believers. You need to. You want to be all that God has called you to be. You want to be a leader. You want to be, or you just want to be full of the Holy Spirit. You want to be filled with the joy of the Lord. You want to be able to share the good news with people. You want to be strengthened in your faith. Get some friends. And I also want to get away from this this whole evangelical idea of Christian brothers and sisters are just there to keep you accountable, or just there, or just there to like keep you on track. Like we're going to make sure you're not going completely insane, but like. It's, that's not what friends are for. That's like, that sounds more like a parole officer, you know? Like, I, I don't want a Christian PO. I want a friend. In my life, I, I don't need somebody to just like watch my every move. What I need is somebody who will go, who will see my every move and go, hey, dude, uh, this seems off in your life. Your doctrine is kind of weird on that. Can we talk about that? Or, hey, this, what, the way you're acting over in this area of your life needs to change. Can we talk about that? So you need to be with other believers. Now, how do we know this? Because look at verse 12. He says, when I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me in Nicopolis, for I've decided to spend the winter there. Titus was a good friend of Paul's. And we know that just from this verse alone. Because the very reason he's sending Artemis to him is a lot of scholars believe he's sending Artemis to Crete in order to replace Titus as the bishop there so that Titus can come back to him. He's like, Titus, I want you to come back to me. And it's kind of funny because you'd think, well, Titus has this great like, leadership role. Wouldn't you want to stay there? No, what's more important to him and what's more important to the church is the relationship that they have. And he's like, look, it's great. The church is going to continue to grow. We know that. Artemis is a great guy. He's got it. He's solid. And so I'm going to put him in. I'm subbing him in. I want you to come visit me. And this is something you need to understand. You need FaceTime with other believers. And I'm not talking about like FaceTime. I'm talking about like actual face-to-face conversation, actual dialogue about how you're actually doing, no facade, no BS, no I'm trying to look good for other people, no, no, no pretense, no I'm a good Christian. Forget about that. You're not a good Christian. Look at you. You're not. Look at me. I'm not a good Christian. God's good. I'm not the good one. Anything good that comes out of me comes from him. So, so stop with the pretense. We get real with somebody in your life. I love that he's like, he trusts Artemis enough to be like, I know I can sub you in and you're going to do a great job. Tychicus also appears in other places in scripture. He uh, is actually believed to be the one who carried the message to Colossae and to Ephesus. Um, he was likely uh, a native of Ephesus. He, he was the, in Ephesians 6.21, we know that he carried the letter to, to the Ephesians, which we've studied in Regenerate. He also carried the letters to Philemon and Colossians. We learned that in Colossians Four, seven. Uh, we also believe that he accompanied Titus at one point to deliver the second letter to the Corinthians. So 2 Corinthians was delivered by Titus and Tychicus going together. So these guys are homies with, with Paul. They worked together. They, they did a lot of things together. But more than that, they were friends. They were friends. And so 
he says, I, I love this. He exhorts, the, so the word, the, the word here is this. He exhorts hospitality. He's like, I want you to send them on their way, okay? But he also exhorts fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. Of the ring. <laughs> uh, so when we think of fellowship, either you think of Lord of the Rings or you think of something Christianese, right? Fellowship, though, is this real friendship where uh, the, the Greek word for, uh, for um, fellowship that kind of comes up a lot is the word koinonia. It doesn't come up in this, in this uh, passage per se, but it has this idea, it connotes this idea of friendship that's moving towards a purpose, right? It's not just, it's not just an employee-employer relationship. It's not just a co-worker relationship. Neither is it just a we're friends because we have a lot of things in common relationship. It's, you know, when I, when I became best friends with Timmy, I was because of Legos and a dislike of girls. You know, one of the reasons that, and my, my daughter is almost five years old, she can make friends with a tree. Like, you know what I mean? Like, little kids are amazing at that. They can just, like, make friends with anybody. I don't know what it is, like, but when we're adults, maybe it's because, like, as we grow up, we've been hurt by things and stuff, so we're more defensive and stuff, so we don't let people in. We can't just be like, you know, I'm not, not that I'm recommending this movie, but, like, stepbrothers, where it's like, do we just become best friends? Yup! You know, like, because they have, like, one thing in common, you know? And we're going to build a bunk bed so we have more room for activities. Anyway, um, so the point is, it takes very little for kids to become friends. It takes a lot more for adults. Why is that? Because we become more cynical, more jaded. Uh, we get hurt by things, and so there's legitimate reasons for self-defense, all that kind of stuff. I think it's notable that Jesus said that unless you become like a child, you're never going to enter the kingdom of God. Kids make friends really easily. Now, what I'm not saying is like you should trust every single person that you meet. But what I am saying is like, are you a person who makes friends? Paul is surrounded with them. Titus is surrounded with them. They roll with their homies, and they are making a difference for the kingdom. So he says, I've decided to winter there because it's Christmas time. I picked a verse that has winter in it. I'm just kidding. I didn't. The Holy Spirit did. So uh, he's like, <laughs> um, he's like, I'm going to spend, I want you to come to Nicopolis. Um, we, can, you, we can do Christmas. It's going to be great. You come over. Like it's going to, I need some companionship in my life. Paul's life at times I think was pretty solitary, pretty lonely. And he needed people in his life. And this, but this desire for fellowship is not only reflected in Paul's writings. It's also in other places. Like in 3 John uh, Paul write, or John writes to Gaius, and at the end of the letter, he says, I hope to see you soon. We, he says, I, I want to talk to you, but I, I don't want to write about these things, pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, face to face. There's this importance of actually being friends with somebody, being in the room with somebody. I think we know this, right? Because we are living in the middle of a pandemic. I, I have friends up in Canada where the laws have been a lot more strict about quarantining and stuff like that, and it is a mental health crisis up there. Australia, mental health crisis. There's these places where people, um, uh, because of precautions taken to spare people from the pandemic, it's driving people nuts. Remember in Genesis, uh, in Genesis 1 that it's God makes everything, or right, sorry, Genesis 2, God makes everything and he says it's good, right? Except for one thing. It's not good for man to be alone. That's it. That's the one thing in creation that's no good. I gotta fix that. And so he does. He makes a man a companion. And so we are not designed to be solitary, lonely creatures. And you can almost always tell when a Christian's getting off track in their life when they start to withdraw. You see someone start to isolate, they stop talking to their Christian friends, they stop talking to their leaders, that person's in trouble. I guarantee it. I guarantee they're running away from God and they're trying to hide it. Because I've seen it time and time and time again. You need people in your life. But at the same time, here's the second point. You need to to resource the body. Look at verse 13. He says, 
I've decided, he said, I want you to come to, come to Nicopolis. I'm going to spend the winter there. In order to get there, I think he's going to, he's going to have to sail from Crete across the Aegean Sea and get to Paul. So this is kind of a sacrifice he's asking him to make, but he's willing. Uh, he, he's believing that Titus is going to be willing. And then he says, I want you to speed Zenus the lawyer and Apollos on their way. So these are two people who are very prominent. Um, Zenus doesn't really appear anywhere else in scripture, but we know he's a lawyer. Somebody say lawyer, like from the South. Lawyer, right? Not, not a lawyer. A lawyer. So he's a lawyer. And the thing is, a lawyer is somebody who understands the law and is probably going to be a prominent person within a community. And so Zenus is somebody who is actually a resource for the body. And even if it was just for the sake of relationship, he's like, I want you to send Zenus on their way. We don't even know where they're going, but I want you to, to resource them. I want you to prepare them and send them. We need to establish that culture within our community, within our Christian communities, that we are used to the idea of preparing people, pouring into them, and then sending them out. We do that all the time in Regenerate. Every few years, there's people who graduate, there's people who move on, and I, it is, it's really bittersweet, but I am always so thankful for the opportunity to send people out into their future, knowing that we did everything we could to help them grow in their relationship with Christ. And there's something really, really sweet about that. So Zenus is a lawyer, so he wants Zenus to go. He also sends out Apollos. Apollos was, um, was a very eloquent Bible teacher. Uh, we know this because he appears in the book of Acts as somebody who is preaching um, before he'd even heard of the Holy Spirit, which is funny because he's like talking about how Jesus was resurrected from the dead. But he didn't know that the Holy Spirit had fallen on the church. And so um, uh, that was when... Um, Aquila and Priscilla came from Corinth and instructed him a little bit more in the way. And since they instructed him further in the way, that's what they called themselves at the time. They didn't call themselves Christians or Baptists or, or Catholics or, or you know, Episcopalians. We have so many words. Anyway, um, so Paul says, hey, I want you to send Zenos on the way. Or I want you to send Apollos on the way. And you might think, now Apollos, by this point, is probably a great preacher. This is written at the time, most likely right after the book of Acts. So Paul has been in prison in Rome, but he's not, he's not necessarily, at that point at the, at the book of Acts, I don't believe that he's going to his death. What he's doing is he's going to go to house arrest. He's expecting to appear before the emperor and be exonerated because he didn't do anything wrong, which most likely happens. So afterwards, he gets out of house arrest, and then he's writing to Titus. He's going to Nicopolis. He's going to stay the winter there. At some other point, he's going to try to make his way to Spain, and he probably won't get there and will be killed in Rome. But... Um, he wants Apollos to come. And now Apollos is a big deal. Apollos is a great leader. And Apollos is somebody who knows scripture really well. Apollos is a great speaker. Apollos is a great disciple maker. Apollos is not a guy you want to send away from your church. Apollos is a guy you want to keep. <laughs> he's a leader. But they are willing. He's like, I want you to send them on their way. You need to recognize that God has a calling on somebody else's life. And when you need to let him go and go, go do it. Fly away, dove, you know. And just... <laughs> Let them be who God has called them to be, right? Apollos, we love you. Go. And it's important, though. We need to be able to do that, right? You need to be somebody who, re are you going to be somebody who resources the body or, just, or who just consumes from it? And that leads to verse 14 where he says, you need to be devoted to good works. You need to be devoted to good works. Now, some of you, you might bristle that and go, that sounds like religion. You're telling me what to do. I don't like that. I like living in freedom and grace and stuff like that. I don't need any of that. But he says you need to be devoted to good works because he says I want you, you need to be able to help in cases of need, right? 
Micah 6, 8. What, is it, what does God require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before God? We need to meet other people's needs and promote justice in the earth. So in order to do that, he's saying, I want you to, to do good works. Like Jesus said in Matthew 5, you do good works. It's like a city on a, you're a city on a hill. You're shining the light of God's love. You're showing people what God is like because you are the demonstration of the Father's love to mo- most of the time. Very seldom does God send angels or appear you know, himself to speak to people. Most of the time in scripture, in history, and right now, God uses human beings. And some of you guys are like, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> and I think God kind of smiles and goes, I know, right? But I'm awesome, so I know how to do it. And he says, I want you to do that because I want you to urge him to good works and not be fruitless, not be unfruitful. That's the word hakarpoi. Uh, so hakarpoi is an adjective, which is, it only appears seven times in the New Testament. Most notably, it appears in Matthew 13, 22 and Mark 4, 19, when Jesus is telling the parable of a sower. And he talks about the, the, the seed that gets thrown into the, in the, into the thorns and then it doesn't bear any fruit, right? It, bears, it gets choked out by thorns and, it's, and is unfruitful. Uh, it's also used in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, when Paul is talking about speaking in tongues. He's saying, when I speak in tongues, it's great. I love it because my spirit is speaking, but my mind is unfruitful when I'm doing that. And so he says, my mind isn't fruitful. So, and he's using that as an example to say, like, we ought to exercise prophecy more so that people who are coming into the church can understand what is being said and be blessed by the voice of God. And some of you should be going, amen. Yes, we should have more of that. More prophetic, please. Let's hear God's voice. But this is the point. Paul says, uh, uh, he also says that evil works are unfruitful. And in Ephesians 5.11, Peter encourages the church to pursue things that help them not to be unfruitful. And Jude calls false teachers fruitless trees in Jude Jude 12. Did you know God is interested in the fruit that he wants to bring out of your life? The reason that we take root in scripture is so that it can bear the fruit of the spirit. The reason that we dig into who God is is so that what comes out of us actually demonstrates the character of God. So this is the bottom line. You need, and why do we practice good works? We practice good works in order that, we practice good works in order that other people would see and know who God is and what he's like. And secondly, so that we would not be fruitless. God is interested in results. And most of the time, those results are intangible to us. Where we're like, oh, I didn't, I've only gotten like five people saved this week. And I've only spoken 17 prophetic words to people that changed their lives. And I still don't feel like I've accomplished enough as a Christian. And God's saying, okay, but um, did you obey me with how I wanted you to use your money? Well, no. (laughs) That's the fruit I'm looking for. Sometimes it's those little subtle things. And that's the other importance of friendship. A real friend can see that kind of thing and help you grow in an area that you might not be fully aware of. So that brings us to verse 15. And this is the final exhortation, which really, I think, is it's really powerful. He says, let our people devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need. Amen. The church should be a hospital caring for people and not be unfruitful. Right? The church should be producing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. All who are with me, verse 15, send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. There is such a tenderness and closeness and family relationship within the church at this stage where he's like, I, you know who I am, Titus. You know the people that I roll with. You and I, we are homies. We always have been, always will be, man. And it's going to continue forever. 
They understood something, that they are part of the body of Christ that's going to last forever. The reason that, that friendships are necessary is because even you think about the nature of God himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He is communal within himself. And so it makes sense that when he creates an Im- a, a being in his image and likeness, that he desires for them to be communal. There, that's why it says in Proverbs, as iron sharpens iron, so one sharpens another. You, you, want to be, you want to grow in who you are in Christ? Get some friends. And, and again, drop the religious stuff. Forget about that. This is not about being religious or trying to achieve some spiritual goal or anything like that. A real friend doesn't have a goal in mind with you. Uh, a real friend is somebody who will sit with you when you are weeping and mourning. A real friend is one who will challenge you when you are just wrong. A real friend is one who's going to reach out to you when you are isolating yourself because you know that, what you're, that you're just acting crazy and you know it. A real friend is somebody who's going to help you and pray with you. A real friend is going to have fun with you and they're going to make you laugh until you pee a little. A real friend, occasionally, right? And a real friend is faithful. See, Titus was part of a network of people. What we see here in these last few verses is he was part of a network of people who are not just working together, but they loved one another. They loved one another. And that is a powerful thing. And if we could just have a community of people that was built like that, maybe the world would see what the church has and go, I want some of that. I want whatever it is that's this Jesus that binds you together. How is it that people who are broke and people who are rich and people who are white and people who are black and people who are large and people who are small and people who care, people people care about this issue and people care about that issue, people who are liberal, people who are conservative. How is it that all of them can come together and love one another and we can stand up and say, because he loved us first. Jesus loved you at the pit of who you are, at the very worst of who you were. Jesus looked at that and he said, I love you. And he, that's why he's called the friend of sinners. And that's why Paul could say in his writing to Timothy, God saved sinners of whom I am the foremost. The more of a friend I become with God, the more deep I realize I was in my sin and the more grateful I am for how he's brought me out. It's always about Jesus. He's the ultimate friend. He is the one who will bring you into friendship with God when you receive his grace and he will forgive you and change your life and you will get a real friend that never, ever leaves. So, tonight, our questions are simple. Number one, what, um, so if we, if I have, yeah, oh yeah, okay, there we are, okay, we're working on our slide game here. Number one, what was confusing about the passage? Number two, where do you see the gospel in this passage? And number three, who are the kind of believers you need in your life? Do you need an Artemis? Do you need, do you need a Tychicus, a reliable person? Do you need a Titus, somebody that you're pouring into? Do you need a Paul, somebody who can mentor you? Do you need a Zenus, somebody who is educated do you need, a, do you need a, an Apollo, somebody who is well-versed in teaching the word? Do you need, what, who is it that you need in your life? And I want to urge you, make friends. They don't teach this in high school, and that is a shame. I will tell you that as a public school teacher. No, like nobody taught you, like, a guy's like, hey, here's how to make friends. You know, like, like nobody teaches that. Jesus is a friend to you. And he often works, that friendship gets worked out through true Christian friendship. And I hope that you guys are able to find that here at Regenerate.
So let's let's go ahead and uh, break into our two, into two groups, and for about fifteen minutes, uh, we're gonna have a discussion on this, and then we'll come back together and we'll worship. And uh, before tonight is up, guys, we are going to also uh, pray for a couple things. One, um, Charles's wife, Chai's, is currently in the Philippines, which is getting hit like a freight train with a level five typhoon. Um, so we need to pray for her and pray for her family, um, pray for infrastructure so that Charles can communicate with her, uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, secondly, um, this is a lot Anaya's last night in Regenerate. And so we are going to bless her and we're going to pray for her and we're going to prophesy over her and we're going to send her off. So let's, let's break up into our groups. We'll talk for a few minutes and come back together. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from the Regenerate podcast. And if you enjoyed our content, please feel free to subscribe. If you have any questions or would like to send us feedback, send us an email at regeneratelcsc at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Regenerate, changing the world for Jesus, one person at a time.